Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hi, and welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio on this Memorial Day. This is Robin Boyd with you. Sandra Beck and I are hoping you've had a day of reflection and thinking of all of our military and veterans, whether they're here with us or whether they remain in our hearts. I was able to spend a little time at our family cemetery and planting flowers there. There were many parades across the country, concerts and tributes, which I hope all reflect our gratitude to those who've served for the freedom in which we live. Today, we'd like to revisit a couple of our past guests who've had stories very significant for Memorial Day and also share a little music. There are a number of songwriters that express such poignant stories. Every so often, my husband and I stay up late just listening to music, finding a few new ones to add to the old playlist. One song in particular he's always loved, and I just thought it was because it was a great song, but when I was looking for songs for this show, he brought this one up again and said how much this song meant to him. He said when he was in Vietnam, the one thing the guys would all talk about was their car, what car they either had waiting for them or the dream car they were going to get as soon as they got home. It then put this song by David Ball in a whole new perspective and why it's so special to my veteran. Here's Riding with Private Malone. I was just out of the service thumbing through the classifieds When an ad that said old Chevy somehow caught my eye The lady didn't know the year or even if it ran But I had that thousand dollars in my hand It was way back in the corner of this old ramshackle barn With thirty years of dust and dirt on that green army tarp And when I pulled the cover off, it took away my breath What she called a Chevy was a 66 Corvette I felt a little guilty as I counted out the bills What a thrill I got When I sat behind the wheel I opened up the glove box And that's when I found the note The date was 1966 And this is what he wrote He said my name is Private Andrew Malone And if you're reading this Then I didn't make it home But for every dream that shattered Another one comes true This car was once a dream of mine Now it belongs to you Though you may take her and make her your own 
always be riding with Private Malone. Well, it didn't take me long at all. I had her running good. I love to hear those horses thunder underneath her hood. I had her shining like a diamond, and I'd put the rag top down. All the pretty girls would stop and stare as I drove her through town. The buttons on the radio didn't seem to work quite right, but it picked up that oldie show, especially late at night. I'd get the feeling sometimes if I turned real quick, I'd see a soldier riding shotgun in the seat right next to me. It was a young man named Private Andrew Malone who fought for his country and never made it home. But for every dream that shattered, another one comes true. This car was once a dream of his back when it was new. He told me to take her and make her my own. To be riding with Private Malone. But one night it was raining hard. I took the curve too fast. I still don't remember much about that fiery crash. But someone said they thought they saw a soldier pull me out. They didn't get his name. But I know without a doubt, it was a young man named Private Andrew Malone who fought for his country and never made it home. But for every dream that shattered, another one comes true. This car was once a dream of his back when it was new. I know I wouldn't be here if he hadn't tagged along. Oh, thank God I was riding with Private Malone. In March, we were visited by author Richard Geschke. In In Our Duffel Bags, Richard and co-author Robert Toto narrate the stories and experiences of what junior army officers faced as citizen soldiers during pre-voluntary military service from 1969 to 1972. This memoir provides an inside view of the military on the training fields of the Cold War in West Germany and on the combat fields of Vietnam. It presents a poignant and detailed drawing of what junior officers contended with during these turbulent times in American history. And then the authors expanded their horizons of their original book with a poetic interpretation of life in the Army. With Shadows of Combat, the reader will sense the history that took place in this crucial time. We'll have that interview for you right after this break on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. 
cuisines, and sacred rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's talking smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talkin' Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Help us out, put your name at the top of his list and a statue. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And I love when the authors come on, Rob. It's always so interesting when they write books about, you know, just there's so many topics, you know, when you think of the genre of military writers. I don't know how mm-hmm. you can, can cover it. There's so many different perspectives because there's so many different people and so many different experiences. And I think one of um, the books that really hit us to heart here at home was in our duffel bags. Um, my husband is a Vietnam veteran, and I have to say, when he read these uh, uh, portions of the book, and I have to say, it's framed very nicely because you have almost like uh, little vignettes, if you will, little uh, cl- glimpses of their experiences. He says, I've finally found a validation of what I've been carrying around all of my adult life and that just really hit me in that um and I guess I need a moment to say this because for all of the years that my husband has been a veteran there has been a lot that he has carried inside 
and we see a lot of the external wounds. We do see some of the um, ramifications, say, of some of the PTSD um, effects. But what is being held in each of these uh, military people's hearts is a very difficult thing to expose and I appreciate both Richard and Robert for writing these books just for that reason Wow Rob that's amazing but you're right you're right I mean the written word for somebody like me who wasn't even born yet when this experience happened and to be able to experience it just through the written word and, and mm. have some understanding and some compassion and some and at least a frame of reference you know it's yes. so hard Richard, let's say hello to you. Richard Geschke, uh, thank you so much for writing in our duffel bags. Welcome. Oh, welcome. Uh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate for you having me on, and uh, I look forward to answering some of your questions that you may have about both the books. Mm. Both books were very unique, but yet um, almost worked hand in hand because I think some of the experiences in our duffel bags were so poignant as, as my husband would be reading through them, he'd say, yes. And I could see him nodding his head and I could say, okay, where, what nerve did that one hit? How um, did you recollect all of these after you had been home for a while or had you always been a writer and sort of kept a, a journal as you went through these years? Well, it all it all started with my son. He uh, he knows that I'm a fairly good writer, and uh, basically what I did was uh, adhere to what he said. He said, "Dad, you should write a book," and I I went ahead and wrote it. And it's amazing that uh, how you recollect things as you go along. And like Bob and I emailed each other back when we were doing this. Um, I started the whole project, and I got him involved in it. He's got PTSD, and uh, Mm -hmm. actually he was able to trigger a lot of my memories. I've got a pretty good memory. I can remember things back to 1950, for God's sake. So as we were doing it, I started saying to myself, my God, we did this? Did we really do this? And you forget. It's 40-some years after the fact, and we buried these memories mm-hmm. uh, uh, because at the time when we came back, it wasn't like the guys coming back from Afghanistan or Iraq. We were looked down upon, and we were shunned. And uh, so we basically melded back into society as best we could. And uh, so when we did this, it became a two-year project, and it became very, very uh, intense. Intense indeed. I can imagine how... how, Well, let me ask, how did you and Bob meet? Uh, Well, it's in the book. Uh, He was uh, walking down the portico of the officer's billets in Fort Benning, Georgia, on Mm -hmm. October 31st, uh, 1969. Uh, That's Halloween night. The next day was All Saints Day, and uh, from that point on, uh, Bob and I have been friends from then on. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. Oh. You know, um, I want to ask you, for for our listeners who haven't read your book or are not familiar with your work, 
Can you tell us a little bit about your military career, a little bit about yourself? I mean, this book is so amazing and it's so deep. The person, you know, where did you come from? Where did you grow up? You know, how did you end up, you know, in the service? What, what, you know, can you give your story to our listeners? You know, kind of the behind the scenes look. Yeah, absolutely. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, back in 1947. Uh, went to Kent State University of all universities, uh, and I graduated there before the incident happened in 1970. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was in Germany when that incident happened. Uh, I graduated in ROTC in August of 1969, as did Bob. And uh, then we went to Fort Benning, Georgia. We were uh, infantry officers. And from Fort Benning, we went to Fort Bliss for a red-eyed missile school. And from Fort Bliss, we uh, drove. In, in fact, it gives our trek from uh, El Paso all the way from Cleveland to Methuen, Massachusetts. And mm. we went to Germany. We were in Germany for 18 months. And then from Germany, we went to uh, <laughs> Panama for jungle warfare school. And then we went to Vietnam. And that all happened in a period of 29 months. Wow. Wow. Yep. Not too, now, many we... RO... Not too many ROTC officers are able to say that they went to those places. Normally, the officers that <laughs> went to those places were West Pointers or career officers. We were yeah. what was known as volunteer officers. So we did the grand tour. We never really saw the United States that much. We were all, always overseas. And I love how... Um the book, it, it's not necessary to read in our duffel bags from start to finish. I love that there are little excerpts, that there are little stories that one can pick up at any time. And then Bob's wonderful Toto moments all throughout the book. <laughs> now, were all of these sort of, as you sat together, you all came up with, uh, oh, remember this, or did you ever do that, or um, something about a VW bug, or... Well, you know, the thing of it is, is the Toto moments, that was my idea because I wanted to sprinkle Bob in there. Yeah. Uh, basically, the basic outline of all this was done by me, but then we filled in everything as we went along. So that's why mm-hmm. it took us two years. But it was really great to do it because Bob would, would kind of needle me in emails. He says, you, why didn't you do the story about the lost pilot? What are you talking about, the lost pilot? And he says, remember, you were down in the Schaffenberg, and this pilot got lost, and he was with a general, and he didn't know where he was, and you directed him where he was supposed to go. And I said, oh, my God, yes, I do remember that. And and I would do the same thing to him. He was stationed in Berlin. Uh, but... Uh, it's really funny because it's comical in a way because I was on the line with the infantry unit, uh, mechanized infantry unit, 3rd Infantry Division uh, in Germany for the 3rd Infantry Division. And Bob was in the prestigious Berlin Brigade on staff duty, and he never saw anything out in the field. I was constantly out in the field. Mm. And uh, when we went to Vietnam, I ended up in the combat engineers as an infantry officer, and he ended up as uh uh, an infantry lieutenant on the line, and that's uh, he got into a, uh, a many scraps there, which he did not bring uh, up in the book. Mm-hmm. I have to say, um, there's there are so many things that, as I say, touched home in our house. I have to say, one in particular uh, 
Richard, and we're going to have to have you back another time perhaps to talk more because um, we are running toward the end of the show. There's one poem in Shadows of Combat called Tattoo. And I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I do have to say a glimpse of it. Um, How can a country which was so astute as to win the Cold War be so clueless in their politics concerning a civilian war in Vietnam? Most of them never served, but had no problem sending millions to serve in a long and senseless war, a war without a clear mission and lacking good purpose. And I'm skipping many stanzas, but I'm going to clip to the end. Maybe, just maybe, they will start to care, start to understand what we did. Maybe, just maybe, we will be welcomed home in a different light of true concern and thanked for that service so long ago. Yeah. That's the way I felt. It's That's a very, yeah, yep. And every one of you have carried this. And um, if any of you in the audience needs to um, help getting some of that out of your heart, I, I highly recommend you go and find Shadows of Combat and find In Our Duffel Bags. And Richard's last name is spelled G-E-S-C-H-K-E, and Robert's last name is spelled T-O-T-O. Um, and where can we find these books, Richard? Yeah, Amazon.com, and by the way, Shadows of Combat is also an audio book, too. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We appreciate this so much, Richard. Um, God bless, and thank you so much for writing these books and um, touching our hearts, as I know you're touching so many other hearts as well. And thank you for your service. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher, Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, 
and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you on this Memorial Day. Sandra and I wanted to share a wonderful author with you. Judy Brizendine has written a book and companion journal entitled Stunned with Grief. As an author, blogger, and speaker, Judy is a woman with a passionate mission that developed through a tragic loss. The statement, Out of your deepest pain comes your greatest gift, describes her experience. Let's tune in to our chat with Judy Brizendine. Um, we've got Judy Brizendine coming up, and she has written this great book about grief. It was kind of like my Bible uh, through some of the loss that I suffered over the past couple years, Rob. And my little boy, uh, who's 11 now, when he was mm-hmm. 10, he got a copy of the grief journal from Judy, and mm-hmm. um, he wrote in it, and he uses it, and it's just beautifully done, and it's a great resource for anybody who is struggling and suffering. So I'd love to bring uh, Judy right on and have her introduce herself to our audience, even though she's a repeat, this might be the first time you've heard Judy on our show. Hello. Judy, are you with us? Hey. (laughs) I'm here. Yes, it's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you back. So can you give a little backstory for our listeners today uh, who might not have heard your uh, show last year? And you guys can check it out on iTunes under Judy Brizantine, Military Mom Talk Radio. Well, I'm actually, um, I was a military wife for almost 21 years. My husband was um, a career um, officer in the, in the Marine Corps. And just a few years after he retired from the Marine Corps, um, he went on a mountain bike ride and he suddenly died. And that really um, changed the entire direction of my life. Um, and not in a bad way. I mean, it was the most devastating and the most difficult thing that I've ever been through in my life. But um, incredible good has come through it after, you know, the process of working through um, his death and the loss and all of the um, adjustments that came along with that, um, you know, that I say on my website that out of your deepest pain can come your greatest gift and for me that was really true because I discovered I mean I completely changed career directions and everything after this experience I discovered that I could use my story to help people and to give them hope and inspiration because quite frankly when when I encountered that grief for myself 
um, it was like becoming shell-shocked. I mean, I didn't know what had hit me. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't understand it or any of those things. And um, it was a process to really learn about grief and to learn how to work through it and what, you know, what's required um, because, frankly, I didn't realize that anything was required of me. I thought it was something that just happened to me. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a crucial, crucial thing for people because um, grief doesn't just accompany death. You know, it accompanies any significant loss, whether it's a person or relationship in our life, you know, something else of, of huge importance, your, you know, your career um, some people, so many people in recent years have lost their homes, you know, your health. There, there are so many things that are um, deep losses, and those losses result in grief that we have to do something about. And what we decide to do about that and how we handle it affects not only our lives right now, but our future and the people around us. And, you know, it's just crucially important what we do with this. And so um, it became really a passion for me to reach out and help people because of what I had been through. Now, Judy, was the writing process of your books done by grief uh, a cathartic effort for you? Or had you really felt the purpose to uh, sort of sum up everything that you had been through and, and derive all of these thoughts and action steps from other people that um, were helpful? You know, by the time I wrote the book, which was um, about eight years after my husband died, he died in 1998. I didn't start writing the book until 2006. I'm sure there were cathartic moments in the writing of the book. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's just the natural um, outcome of that. But I had really processed my grief by the time I sat down to write this book. And I had already um, remarried just, um, you know, a few years, a couple years prior to that. And my husband, my husband now, and I had facilitated grief support groups together for several years. And so there was really a whole process in so many people that, you know, whose lives had that we had touched through this so much that had come out of it i had done a ton of research read many many books and um so really it was the outcome of of the process and and all of the people and experiences that you know that i had come in contact with and just really the um well i just really felt that there was something that needed to be said you know, that I could add something very useful and, and helpful to people because of what I had learned, and I wanted to put it in the simplest terms possible. You know, this is not a bunch of, you know, scientific, um, hard-to-read, you know, kind of things. It's very practical. It's very personal. It's very revealing. So people can read this book and come out of it with a strong understanding and an absolute sense of what they need to do to work through the grief. Well, and I just want to clarify a couple things for the listeners today. Like if you're struggling with things like for me, um, 
I had a really charmed life until I was about 40 years old. I really didn't, you know, I lost my grandparents, you know, but that was expected. And, you know, I never really had any really difficult hardship, Judy. So when I did get divorced and my mom died and, you know, I lost my Flagstaff home, you know, things like that and, you know, lost my finances. And um, gosh, I didn't have a tool set to even know what was happening to me. And it's not like they teach you in school or even, you know, like even in my religious education, which I've had extensive religious education growing up. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. You know, they teach you to pray and stuff, but I really didn't know what was going on with me. I really thought I was losing my mind at one point. Um, And one of the things that I loved about your book is you, you have these little checklists. You're like, you know, like, do you feel confused or sad or emotional? And I'm like, oh, my God, check, 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 check. <laughs> and it was the first time, like, I know it sounds really corny and hokey dokey, but like the seas parted and it was like, oh, this is what's going on because I only knew grief as sadness and I really didn't understand profound grief and I really didn't understand what true loss meant, you know, never having experienced it. And since I didn't experience it till I was much older, I kept going in my head going, what the heck's going on? I'm confused. I'm making mistakes. Everything is cloudy and foggy and it seems unreal. And, you know, it just really knocks you on your you know what and, and you don't even know what's going on. Did you have that experience too? Everything that you said is normal, and absolutely, yes. I was 47 until, um, until you know, this happened. I had never been through anything that compared to this at all, and you're totally right. We don't grow up learning about grief. We don't know anything about it. We don't know what to expect. We think literally most, I would say 99.9% of people going through profound grief will think they're losing their mind because um, we're not prepared for what happens to us. And like you, I mean, first of all, I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't even know there was anything I was supposed to do that I needed to do. You know, we kind of have this concept, I think, oftentimes that grief you know, something happens, something tragic, something devastating. You know, we expect a grief to, you know, we expect grief to go along with it. But what that means to us oftentimes is we think this grief will, you know, come and kind of sit on our shoulder and we'll, you know, we'll feel sad and um really devastated for a period of time, and then at some point when it's been long enough, you know, this grief will just lift and we'll get back to life as normal. It doesn't happen that way. And if we think it happens that way and we're relying on that to, you know, as our way of processing grief and and working through it, it's not going to happen because we have to do something. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to be proactive there are things steps to take we have to process this in order to get all of those feelings and everything that's going on inside of us up and out and you know be able to begin to start adjusting to the changes you know that's one thing Mm. that just accompanies loss i mean loss change accompanies loss whether it's a good change um you know it's it's part of it and right. it's something that we have to 
learn to adjust our lives to because our lives have changed. You know, something has happened and things are different now. One of the things that you were saying is like you can be proactive in helping yourself get through the grieving process. And Robin, you said something about, you know, it's something that, you know, only you can do. And I'm going to just buzz in right now and go, absolutely. And that whole thing about like, this too shall pass. Like, I get it. You know, I get that time heals all and everything, but time can really drag on if you don't do anything. And you just, that whole thing about like this too shall pass, it kind of gives us that illusion, at least it did for me, that all I had to do was sit back and let the calendar days go by and somehow all this grief would resolve itself. Um, Didn't. (laughs) It didn't. Kind of hung on like an old ugly friend that I couldn't get rid of or a bad boyfriend. No, and you're not alone. You know, that's what so many of us think until we learn about it. So what do you do? How do you step forward? You know, we've got so many uh, people who who are changed forever as a result of this latest war that's been going on for 10 years. And not only are they changed, but families are changed. And, you know, there's just so much to mourn, I think, a lot of times. And we don't really talk about this with military service, but there is a lot to mourn. I've talked to some kids recently whose dad is in the service, and they're like, you know, we're so proud of my dad, but, you know, he gave so much to his country, and he wasn't here for us. And, you know, that to me was a grieving. Those kids had a right to grieve that. They had a right to feel that. Well, there's a lot of stress involved, too, when when the families are separated, when you know, your loved one is in um, an area that, you know, a war zone, an area where things can happen, and um, there's stress involved in that, and that's difficult over time. And again, that's, you know, it's all wrapped up into this experience that it is in um, many ways an experience of loss because, you know, there is that separation. There's time that can't be recaptured. Now, granted, you know, wonderful things can happen when when your loved one comes back home and you, you know, you can make up for a lot of that, but it's there, you know, and, and you all had to go through it. So, yes, it is a, a, a grief-type situation in a way. But I think when you, talk... you asked the question... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say you talk about two best offensive weapons and um, that you can actually grow these. And and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Yes. um, Two of the the most um, positive things that you can do in situations like this, and not just grief. I mean, I think um, in the military, if you're – connected, if your family is part of a military family, you know, change is happening all the time. And sometimes it's a welcome change, sometimes it isn't. But you can be sure that change is always going on. And these two offensive weapons will help you to cope with whatever comes up in a more positive way, and that is hope and resilience. You know, we... And I read this this research article recently. You can, or several, you can grow hope and resilience. A big part of it is to, you know, has to do with your overall attitude toward life. You know, do you look at things in a positive way or 
you know, do you see everything from from a negative viewpoint? You know, positive is going to help you in every area of your life. Um, Both of these things um, have to do with relationships, too. When you cultivate connections with people and, you know, these positive relationships um, build hope because you have support, you have... um, you know, outlets um, that are nurturing. Um, you know, you have a positive experiences in your life through the, you know, the good relationships that that you develop. And I think in the military, I know, you know, that was such a huge part um, of our military experience. I mean, our the people who were in our squadron and, you know, in our groups became our family because, you know, our families were far away. And those relationships, um, you know, we truly did support each other in every way um, through the things that happened socially. And, you know, those were a very powerful part of, um, of what we did. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But, yes, relationships make a huge um, difference. The way that you view life, humor is huge. You know, we all in our lives, I think, um, when we're able to look for things to laugh at, you know, things, reasons to laugh, reasons to be joyful, we're going to boost our hope by doing that when we focus on those kinds of things and the positive. And, you know, sometimes we have the, you know, the feeling that we're not in control, that, you know, our circumstances control us. When we view life from that perspective, um, that tends to lessen hope because we really are in control. I mean, things happen to us, yes, that we have no mm-hmm. control over, but our response to the things that happen determines what kind of outcome we're going to have. So attitude, just an overall attitude toward life um, and looking outward for, you know, experiences and and setting goals and working toward you know, things, and all of those build hope in, in our lives, and we're going to be more resilient. Hope and resilience go right together, you know, staying flexible. When you're in the military, you know, <laughs> if you're not flexible, <laughs> you're I was going to say trouble. they almost have to go hand in hand because you, sometimes yes. you can hope for things, but they – the the end result isn't always as you expect and therefore in order to keep hope you have to be resilient (laughs) well and are you a you know can you look for the good even in a negative situation Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. normally there is some good you know if you look hard enough regardless of what it is you can find something good you know maybe it's what you learned you know maybe it's what you discovered about yourself Sure. Um, you know, that you were able to do things or cope with life in ways that you didn't really know you could until you were put to the test. So, you know, it's it's looking for the good, and gratitude is huge. You know, gratitude builds hope. When you can look at your life and be grateful for the things that you have, for, you know, if you have trouble someday, it's not a really good day. Look outside and be grateful for you know, the beauty that you see outside your window. I mean, there's always something 
that we can be grateful for, the people in our lives, uh, you know, our um, God. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's so many things. And when we um, look for the things to be grateful for, that builds hope also. Never thought that this is where I'd settle down I thought I'd die an old man back in my hometown They gave me this plot of land Me and some other men For a job well done There's a big white house sits on a hill just up the road man inside he cried the day they brought me home they folded up a flag and told my mom and dad we're proud of your son and I'm proud to be on this peaceful piece of property I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best company I'm thankful for those, thankful for the things I've done I can rest in peace, I'm one of the chosen ones I made it to Arlington I remember Daddy brought me here when I was eight We searched all day to find out where my granddad lay And when we finally found that cross He said, son, this is what it costs To keep us free Now here I am a thousand stones away from him He recognized me on the first day I came in And it gave me a chill When he clicked his heels and saluted me proud to be on this peaceful piece of property I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best of company And I'm thankful for those, thankful for the things I've done I can rest in peace, I'm one of the chosen ones I made it to Arlington Every time I hear 21 guns I know they brought another hero home To us We're thankful for those things for the things we've done And we can rest in peace Cause we are the chosen ones We made it to Arlington Yeah, dust to dust Don't cry for us We made it to Arlington Arlington
we received a dialogue from someone that was quite moving. I am not certain of its author, but I'd like to read it to you with the help of my son. It brings to light the spirit of Memorial Day, the reason we stop, we reflect, and we remember. This morning, while driving my comfortable car to retrieve my fancy latte, I tuned in to the morning news. 
in between thoughts of children's projects, what to make for dinner, and would I make my yoga class, I was reminded that my country is at war. I would sit with this thought for a moment, but as my day proceeds, I know it will get lost in the hustle and bustle of my 21st century American lifestyle. This morning's report spoke of a young soldier who lost his life just hours ago. I thought of what he might say to me, if given the chance. Excuse me, madam, I mean you no bother, but... I mean no bother, but could you check in 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 on my family for me from time to time? My mom is the sensitive type. She may need to be held at night to fall asleep for a while. My dad will be strong for her, but inside he'll be a mess. Maybe you could just sit next to him and watch a ball game. My wife will be just as scared as she is heartbroken. Reassure her she's prepared and can do it. Also, can you tell her how pretty she looks from time to time? And she will need a ride on Sundays to visit my resting place. I worry about her driving on those days. Now, for my children, I I know you're busy raising your sons and daughters. Again, I, I truly mean to be no bother, but I worry for them. Of course, there is the obvious stuff like who will teach my boy to throw a ball, who will walk my daughter down the aisle, and how will their colleges be paid for? But you can also make sure that they see the Big Dipper in the sky and tell them about the leaves turning color in the fall. Maybe you could bring my son down to the creek and skip a rock or two. Tell him he doesn't always have to be brave, and it's okay to cry. My daughter, well... I'm still learning myself about raising little girls. She loves to swing, so once or twice you can bring her to the playground and push her real high for me. Tell her to reach for the moon. She always laughs when I tell her that. Maybe on Bring Your Daughter to Work Day, she can tag along with you and your daughter. Any help at all is appreciated. There are many families who need our help in one way or another. The many families whose lives are forever changed because of the loss of one, and the brave men and women who choose the mission of defending our freedom. Whether it's supporting resources or supporting a neighbor, there is a job for each and every one of us to help those coming home and the families of those who are not. For Military Mom Talk Radio, I'm Robin Boyd.